Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 41. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by my fellow scouts, Matt Nine and Dynasty Doctor. Dynasty Doc, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you want to reveal your identity and real name live on the podcast? Because everything online is Dynasty Doc. Do you want to reveal your name or are we just calling you the Doc? Doctor's orders, I, you know, up to you. You know, this is something that I thought about actually towards the end of this year. Um, I know I've got it really close with a lot of the scouts, but I think this is a, an appropriate time um, to reveal my name. So, yeah, my first name is Brian. Um, I live in the Northeast, live in the city. And, um, yeah, I'll probably awesome. reveal a little bit more about myself as, as we go along. Well, it's good to know. I think I knew that deep down somewhere, but – Every like we all just refer to you as like Doc or Dynasty yeah. Doc. So yeah. um good to know, Brian. Um, and for our audience, you know, he's the Dynasty Doctor, but he does some other stuff. He wrote a great uh we had a, a playoff podcast about guys to target and play during the playoffs, and we referred to that article many times. It was a, a really good article uh, about good playoff matchups and things like that. So a little bit redraft based there, but um Happy to have you on the show. Thanks for thanks for stepping in for Sam, who mysteriously is out. We do not know his whereabouts, but um, he's got some other stuff going on. So Dynasty Doc filling in. Happy to have you. We are going to talk about our biggest hits and misses from the season. Uh, talk to you a little bit through our process and maybe, you know, if, if we missed on somebody, why did we miss? Was it Something that we messed up, you know, poor evaluation. Did their situation change? And, you know, how are we looking at them going in the next year? Same process with the hits. So we're going to go through that. And then we've got a fun trivia game. I put together some questions for Matt and Brian. Um, going to run through trivia questions, put them on the spot, and, and see if they can keep up. But we'll run through that uh, when we get there. We're going to start with the misses and hits. But as always, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts to subscribe. If you haven't already, head on over to ffballallday.com. If you haven't been over there in a week or two, uh, we kind of rebranded the site. It looks awesome. Matt put in a lot of work on that. Props to Matt. It looks really good. So um, if you haven't been over there lately, go check that out. But with that, let's get into the show. and misses this season uh it's always fun to review this stuff but i think it's important in addition to just you know being accountable for kind of the advice we're giving i think it's important to also review your process and you know if you missed on a handful of guys it's important to to look at that and, and understand if there's something in your process that needs to change or it was just kind of a matter of circumstance. You know, J.K. Dobbins was one of my guys. Well, he's not really a miss, right? He, he ended up out for the season. But, you know, I have other guys that I, I it's a little tougher to explain that we're on the field. So, um, you know, situations change, things change, and a lot has changed over the course of this season. So let's look back, starting with our 
biggest misses this season. Matt, let's start with you. Why, tell us about some of your misses. Why did you miss? What's changed? And, and what have you learned? Biggest misses. Well, I don't want this to sound arrogant, but when... Oh, he doesn't have any. No, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. But I am not like most other analysts on Twitter, and I'm sure you guys have figured this out by, by now. I would rather talk about five guys in Bat 100 than talk about 100 guys and get 20% right. Even though that's more than I got right, you know, you're getting 20 out of 100, that percentage is you also missed on 80. So I, I would rather keep what I talk about close and, and make sure that I'm hitting on the guys because I feel like that could be more beneficial to your guys' dynasty rosters if you know for certain, like, I can count on this guy. I know this guy, two, three guys can hit for sure, as opposed to, well, this guy talks about everyone. I just, you know, got to throw darts based on whoever they're talking about. So that's just kind of how I like to operate. Now, one of the misses that I did have, I did say it was a bold take. I did say Dallas Goddard would lead the Eagles in targets. Uh, oh, I think over the second half of the season, I think it was where he was relatively close with Devontae Smith there for a little while. But to start the year, it just didn't happen. They were running a lot more two tight end sets than I originally thought they would. They eventually did end up trading Zach Ertz, which I thought they would get done before the season started. But after they traded him, then kind of that article that I wrote about, about Goddard becoming the next tier one, you know, that top three, four echelon of tight end. Then that kind of started to come into play. Uh, another miss I had, I thought DK would be the overall wide receiver one. And I think a lot of that that didn't happen had to do with Russ, I think he missed, what, six games, seven games, something like that. And just the offense in general just didn't look good. I was a lot higher on the Seahawks than probably what I should have been. I don't – looking back, I don't know how to reevaluate that because it's. I feel like a lot of it, the issues that the Seahawks offense has, is sideline related with the coaching staff, the scheme, not getting creative enough. Pete Carroll constantly just wants to run the football, and it just wasn't working. And then the last few weeks of the season, you see them rolling out. You know, they're finally running the football effectively. DK scores three touchdowns in one game. I believe it was against the Lions game. So it just kind of finally started to come together a little too late. And then I was also missed on Noah Fant. I thought Noah Fant was going to be in that Travis Kelsey type territory this year. And he just wasn't. And I 100% blame Teddy Bridgewater because I know for a fact Noah Fant, the football player, is damn good. Yeah, I think that not only falls on Teddy Bridgewater, but Pat Shermer, who was pretty atrocious uh, calling the plays. I think you can attest to that dynasty doc, right? You're a, you're a giants fan, right? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you on fans. I, I know we talked a lot about one of my guys that I'll, I'll get to that I missed on, uh, but fans, a good player that just, just hasn't really been able to take that next step. And I think a lot of it is just the offense. And it, I mean, they'll target him eight times in one half and then he won't see the ball the second half. So I'm with you on that. Um, and Brian, it's offer something we, um, we often talk about just within ourselves. And we also preach is we're usually taking talent over situation. Right. And I think Fant is a guy that talent wise, like he is just a physical specimen. So, I think it's it's when the then the stars align, you know, he's going to be quite a contributor. He still is, but you know, it's uh definitely his team and his offense and the the game plan I think is really limiting him to what his true ceiling can be. Yeah, absolutely. And what I was going to say it's really weird with him because 3 years in a row now, it's like the first 3 weeks he sees like 25 targets, 
you know, 80 yards a game and a touchdown. And then after that, he just falls off the map. It's like, they just, we're going to go to some other guy now for the rest of the season. Like, thank you for the first three weeks. It's the same thing. I don't get it. They get him involved from the get go. And then he just fades off. Yep. It'll be interesting to see who they hire and bring in and, and how that changes the dynamics of the offense. Cause even the wide receivers, I mean, you look at right after they, they paid big money to Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. And I mean, Neither one of them were really consistent contributors down the stretch, but they just really weren't getting that many targets. I mean, I think Sutton, I don't know the exact date that he, you know, signed that extension, but after their bye, week 12, three targets, six targets, two targets, seven targets, five targets, five targets, three targets. I mean, you know, he's averaging, what, three or four targets a game after signing a massive extension. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that offense is offense changes next year uh all right brian who do you got for us what's well, funny you mentioned sutton's name because he's like the first one on my list um i think again talent wise i mean he was a pro bowler in his sophomore campaign he he put up like a 70 almost like over 1106 line like he threw an absolutely pro bowl worthy num- uh, line down and he was operating alongside of of eman sanders fant and tim Patrick. So when you think back to that system, they had Locke at QB and they also had Flacco. They were going back and forth. So even with a shortened 2020 season, I know I wasn't the only one, but I was very high on Sutton coming in into the year. He was, I think he was like the number one bounce back candidate at the wide receiver position. And, you know, unfortunately Judy got hurt. I was at the game actually week one giants Broncos, Judy, the whole arena thought that he snapped his leg in half. Thank, you know, thank goodness that he came back in a short amount of time, a couple months. So Sutton came up, you know, he started really hot. I think the first six, seven, eight games, I think he was inside the top 12, 14 at the position. I think he was, he was putting up some really big games. And as soon as the whole, the whole gang got back together, Judy came back and Patrick was getting really extended looks. He just, again, some of the numbers you got into his target share plummeted he was going games where some games he had a goose egg in receptions some he had one maybe two so down the stretch obviously that's what matters in fantasy and he just didn't deliver so i definitely would put him into that bus category and then another guy you know go ahead go ahead chad no i was just gonna say that's a good one that's i mean just like we were talking about that's i think a lot of people had high expectations for him and judy along with fans so um i feel like Sutton and Claypool, I was talking about this with somebody else, are kind of in that same category. You need a QB with arm strength that's willing to push the ball down the field. And well, both and both of them just don't have one. Yeah, and, and I was gonna say that there was a lot of debate in Broncos country who would benefit from Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. And I think if Judy stayed healthy, he was probably a little better for Bridgewater, but Sutton I think was better with Locke just yep. because Locke will push like he'll throw it up he'll throw up 50 50 balls all day i mean that game uh i forget which game it was but when bridgewater got hurt and Locke came in i think that very drive he threw a touchdown pass to Cortland sutton where he kind of just threw it up and let him go get it so yeah i mean that's that's where sutton he strives right you want to put the ball ahead of him have him track it under his hand so but again, I think something really interesting with the whole Teddy versus Locke thing is uh, I looked into the stats early in the year when Teddy was the exclusive starter, and I think Teddy was top five in like yards down the field, I think, for a number of weeks. And then Sutton was, I think, 
top three or top four also in air yards. So yeah, I remember. I mean, that. it looked like a great marriage, but again, once all those factors came back, you know, Teddy unfortunately with with had some pretty scary injury concerns, you know, in game and Judy getting back and Patrick getting more more uh, targets. So you think again? We thought about before he signed that extension, maybe he a change in scenery or. Maybe the, the Broncos wouldn't, you know, sign one of those other guys to an extension. And now who knows what Sutton's going to be like moving forwards, you know, kind of a big hit to his value. I think long-term it's hard to it's hard to say if he's ever going to get back to those, you know, those top numbers, especially with Judy ex- expecting to be back, you know, definitely at a hundred percent next season too. So we'll see what yeah, happens. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see a lot of change there in, in that offense. So um, what else? You got another guy for us? Yeah, I got, I got one who's a, a scout's uh, favorite. We probably have a shrine of this guy. It's unfortunately Ronald Jones. Um, <laughs> he finished 2020 as the RB15 in standard and RB20 in PPR. Um, obviously, he had, he had a little bit of injury that he was fighting come towards the playoffs, and Lenny was still getting you know accustomed to the offense, and then playoff Lenny wrote the rest of the script. So I think we were expecting – Maybe we shouldn't have expected with Arians calling the shots, but once the season started, I expected him to at least get some of the work, half the work, something, you know, potentially win the job back over. But I think playoff Lenny kind of, you know, signed it off for Rojo. And I really wish I wasn't advocating so hard for him going into the year. I thought the logic was there. I thought the offense, you know, it's such an exponentially scoring offense and, I thought I thought the process was there. He was a pro, he was a proven guy last year. He had some really superb games, and he looked pretty good on tape. So I, maybe maybe I was just overlooking how how well Fournette played down the stretch for them. He must he must have just changed the front office and and the all the coordinators and the and Arians especially. But we all know he has his concerns with Rojo. So maybe I should have listened to Arians a little bit better on that one. Yeah, I think um, the pass catching really set him apart because I. I was kind of with you on Rojo and I thought, you know, Gio Bernard might have a role and, and all that. And early on in the season, you know, Fournette took away that, that passing work from Bernard and, and showed that he could be a three down back and, and Brady obviously trusted him and, and that sort of thing. So I was kind of with you on Rojo. I thought, I thought the, he, he would have a nice year. Um, Chad, who you got? I've got, you know, everybody knows the TJ Hawkinson. If Matt's going to mention Noah Fant, I've obviously got to mention Hawkinson. Um, he went on IR after week 13. He was tight end six through weeks one through 13. So he wasn't horrible, but he was not nearly, you know, what I had thought he was going to be. He was very inconsistent in a bad offense, really. And uh, I mean, you look at his numbers, he would go, he went through a stretch weeks six, seven, and eight. He had 11 targets, nine targets, 11 targets. And then the following week, one target, um, just inconsistent usage, inconsistent offense. Um, I think in terms of the process, I didn't think Jared Goff mattered as much to Hawkinson's value. Obviously I, you know, I was not high on golf with the lions, but 
I thought he would throw, you know, a lot to Hawkinson over the middle. And he was early on in the season, but that faded and there just wasn't enough scoring opportunities. So I think ultimately, I mean, we talk about it a lot, right? We want, we want good players, but guys in good offenses, like that's, you know, I mean, talent over situation, but ultimately when a guy peaks at his value, it's because he's in a good offense. That's just, I mean, if you took Travis Kelsey and put him in the lions offense, he'd be, he'd be very good, but he wouldn't quite be the dominant force that he's been probably. So I think that's a big factor um, in kind of looking back at that. But I was, I was very high on Hawkinson. I think going forward, you know, I still believe in him, but they really just need to improve that entire situation. And now you've got St. Brown emerging, obviously Swift gets a ton of targets and then, you know, they're probably going to add another pass catcher this off season, I would think. So um, he'll have more competition for targets, but if that boosts the production of the offense, I think it's a, it's a fair trade-off. Yeah. Hawkinson was a big guy coming out of college for me. I know a lot of people flip between Hawk and, and Fant, um, but I, I just seeing Hawk, I think I thought is a more complete tight end. Right. Obviously, a more complete tight end is going to be on the field more. Yep. Again, I'm not. That's not tarnishing Fant at all. He's an offensive specimen, but I, it, I'm kind of concerned with Hawkinson moving forwards a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to blow it out of proportion, but his his injury concern is is a it's a little concerning. He was kind of. He gets banged up. I mean, football's a, a very physical, violent sport, and he play, he's on the field a lot. But, you know, he had a few different injuries. I think that obviously he had the hand injury to close out the year. He had – didn't he have an ankle and a back at some point? He had a few different things over the course of the year, no? Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I know I can name at least two. He like, had – yeah, he had a th- – well, he just had a thumb injury. Oh, he did have a knee injury as well. So knee injury week four. He didn't miss any time. And then the thumb injury and hand injury, they kind of separated them out here on player profiler. But yeah, he did have an, a knee injury, but he didn't miss any time. But even going back, I mean, rookie year, concussion, shoulder sprain, ankle sprain, second year he had a toe injury, a shoulder AC joint sprain. So yeah, he's been, he's definitely Ooh. taken some, some injuries. Yeah. Thanks for the fact check, Chad. One last guy I want to mention real quick before we move on to hits is I completely disregarded Jalen Waddle too much throughout the pre-draft process. Yeah, just an app. It's not that I thought he would be poo-poo, but I didn't think he would be this good, this fast. And I got it. I haven't dug into it yet, but that is one of the guys I'm going to circle back around and figure out what did I miss or something like that. But yeah, I just. You know, I put it, I put his name under a rug and just kind of moved on. And I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because he was somebody I talked about him on one of our podcasts before the season we, on our rookie podcast that the talent was like, I really loved his talent and everything. But I just kind of did the same thing. I think he just felt like a really risky pro, yeah. project. Uh, prospect. Prospect. Yes. Thank you. Drawing a blank there. Um, so I think that's part of it. Another one for me, Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, he had another thousand yard season again, he wasn't horrible, but he finished his wide receiver 25 and I thought he was going to be borderline wide receiver one. Um, and (laughs) I think again, part of it is, is the offense and kind of the inconsistent usage, but you watch the guy on tape and he is so good. So I'm still a firm believer. They need to upgrade that quarterback situation, but 
I still very much believe in Terry McLaurin, but I mean, he's also, what is he? 20, almost uh, he's 26. He'll be 27 next year. I mean, you know, he's on the older side of being, you know, a three year going into his fourth year player. So, you know, it's got to happen soon for him, uh, but the, I mean, I watch his tape and I think he's just an incredible route runner and speed hands. I mean, he's, he's the entire package, but they need to improve that quarterback situation. But I, you know, I'll probably, if they get just an average starter, you know, if they get one of these second tier guys, you know, maybe they bring in, even if it's like a Mitch Trubisky or something, I think I'm, you know, counting on him as kind of a, a high-end wide receiver too, but maybe not the wide receiver one that I hoped he could be. What do you got, Doc? No, I, I agree. And I think I think a little bit of – I wouldn't put too much blame on, on the McLaurin take because I think a lot of us were excited to see him, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You got to think yeah. back. The guy – when you looked at some of his splits, I think, with Miami, it was pretty incredible some of the games that he had, especially playing from behind. And I don't think we expected Washington to be playing from behind this much. Their defense obviously took a step back. But um, I think a lot of us had, you know, an impression that McLaurin was going to be this this target monster and put up career highs because, you know, Fitz isn't afraid to sling the ball. And he's he's a great he's a great player. He's a veteran. I'm not going to give the guy too much credit, but I think that the fact that he got hurt so early on in the season, I think. I mean, Heineke filled in admirably. I think he played fine. But I think Fitzpatrick would have made McLaurin a much more productive receiver. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't hate on your on your own take so much about that, Chad. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I meant to mention that and it kind of just slipped my mind. I kind of forget about that, but yeah, that's a that's a good point. I would have been curious to see how he played out this year with Fitzpatrick, but um, might never happen. It might never happen, which is a bummer because Fitzpatrick's fun, man. Did you guys see the photo of him shirtless in Buffalo yes. at the game? Amazing. The guy's a legend. It should be. It belongs in the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, all right, let's talk about our hits. A um, little more excited to talk about this one. I know we've all got some. Let's start with you, Brian. Who were some of your hits this year? So my biggest hit, I think, was Deontay Johnson. I think that was on a lot of – a lot of guys uh boards or, or guy that you know a lot of people were endorsing so i think a lot of people didn't give him you know they kind of put him in a in the corner because of all of his his drops and when you i'm a guy that looks at talent and i know matt looks at a guy you know a lot for like retrospectively to the position but i think i look maybe a little bit more systematically at like what the the team kind of promotes like what their offensive scheme kind of the tendencies of the quarterback so we can go back eulogies on big Ben on what he's done, but especially particularly recently in his career over the last few years. So big Ben, he's, he's, you know, he, he slings the ball a ton at home, but his yards per attempt as his career has gone on has been absolutely abysmal. So last year, I think when I was looking through a list out of qualified quarterbacks with double digit starts, I think big Ben was like 30th in yards per attempt. And I think we all know a guy that runs near the line of scrimmage a lot, runs short routes, also a guy who can even stretch the field more, but that was Deontay Johnson. And I was definitely not afraid to pick him, obviously, with uh, what happened to Juju. That took some targets away. That that would have taken some targets away if he was healthy, but 
in half or full PPR formats, he was a no brainer. He was a lock for double digit targets every game. Um, especially just due to the fact that if he's moved, they're trying to move the ball in small increments, you know, Deontay Johnson was the guy. So he, uh, he was rock solid all season and he, I think he finished, he finished inside the top 12 or top 10, I think something like that. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think the only knock really on Deontay is his drops. And if you guys don't know, I mean, drops are so insignificant, <clears throat> excuse me, so insignificant for fantasy, especially when you're seeing, you know, double digit targets every week. So what? He drops one or two of them. He's getting so many opportunities. So that's I, always been blown out of proportion. I agree with everything you just said, but in Deontay Johnson's particular case, we have seen Mike Tomlin bench him because of drops. So in, in regards of not being available, it could affect him. But right. as far as scoring goes, no, it doesn't matter. Right. No, Tomlin's not afraid to bench any guy out there. You yeah. know, we saw that with Claypool this year too. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was Big Ben knew, knows that the guy that he trusts when he needs to move the ball four, seven, 11 yards – Claypool is a great player, but I think Johnson is his security blanket in those short, short yard situations. So he was a no brainer, even at cost with all three expected to be on the field, but he was, so, a, he was a big hit for me this year. For sure. Can I ask you before we move on? Are you, I mean, obviously we don't know who the quarterback is going to be, but at this point in time, do you see him potentially being downgraded without Ben's noodle arm throwing it? I mean, there's not, you know, unless they get like Rodgers or Russ, obviously they're probably going to end up with, you know, Mariota, Trubisky, a rookie, like, you know, they're, they're probably not going to have one of those top tier guys. So, but maybe that's a good thing for Deontay to keep a, a lot of those sh short area targets. Right. I, I mean, I, th I look at it like this. I think quarterbacks that either started their career at a certain point or had a certain level of performance that have taken a step back because, you know, they no longer have a starting job. I think a lot of these guys, like to keep the ball kind of close to the line of scrimmage. They don't like kind of swinging the ball enough or unless it presents itself. So I watched a lot of, of uh, I hate saying this, but when Mason Rudolph was in the game, he he looked for his, his ex college teammate, James Washington. And that scared me a bit that he was kind of shying away from, from Johnson a little bit. But I think if it's, I think if anything, it's a lateral move. I think any other quarterback would be at least hopefully a slight upgrade. Hopefully. Just because I think we all seeing Big Ben at this point in his career, he's just not he's not a spring chicken anymore. So I think if anything, I wouldn't truly downgrade him really. I think it's more of a lateral, hopefully. I mean, that needs to be seen, but I, I'm not I'm not concerned about him long term. That's fair. Yeah. Matt, any just any thoughts on on Johnson? I know that we're all quite fans of, of him and his play. So what do you guys think about a QB change for his value? I think he's a sell this summer. I think he's reached a ceiling because I don't know how you can get better with a new QB at going over 150 targets again because that's just not going to happen. I can't foresee that. I think his game will change. I think he has been held back by Big Ben. I think we're finally going to get to see more downfield routes from him next year, which will bring the reception total back, but it will bring the yardage and touchdown total up. So I think it will kind of balance itself out. But he's not going to be this target hog anymore like he was. Like I, I, I still think he probably leads the team in targets, but it's not going to be 15 a game or something like that. I think the guys around him will be pulled in much, much closer. And that's kind of the same thing, you know, what I was mentioning with Sutton earlier. 
when you bring in a new quarterback, if it's Mason Rudolph, it's it's Dwayne Haskins, you know, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howe, if they draft a guy who, what have you, the nuances of Deontay Johnson's game, those those young QBs don't understand that. And they feel comfortable. Guys like that feel comfortable throwing to someone like Sutton or Claypool, who's just a big body guy. You just trust your guy, throw it up there. He's going to, he's going to beat out, you know, the defender, whoever it is, uh, those, those 50-50 jump balls. So I think a new quarterback change, I think is a lateral move for Deontay Johnson. I think it's an upgrade for a guy like Chase Claypool, but I think Deontay Johnson's game is going to evolve slightly. I think, his, you know, average depth of target is going to go up. Yards per route run is probably going to go up. So I, I don't – I just think he's a sell because what he finished as wide receiver nine this year or something like that. I just – I don't foresee that happening again or getting better. I think he'll slide in probably comfortably around like the wide receiver 16, 17 spot. I don't know if I agree. I mean, I definitely – there's a lot of good young receivers, so I don't necessarily have him finishing – you know, top 12 again, I think maybe 17 is right, but I don't know if I necessarily classify him as a sell. Um, I get, it's all about what you get in return. Right. But I just, I think they're going to end up, they could draft a rookie like, you know, Kenny Pickett or something, but I just feel like they're going to sign Mariota um, and try to use his mobility. I like it. Someone's talked a lot about mobility, try to use his mobility, keep those short area targets with Friermuth and, uh, Deontay worries me a little bit with Claypool, but I mean, just about everyone is more mobile than Big Ben. That is true. <laughs> Even Trubisky is pretty mobile, honestly. Look back at his rushing. I, I, I will yeah, say this that. super, super small sample size one game, but the one game where Deontay, uh, no Juju, Claypool, and Rudolph all played was, I believe, week 18. No, week, what is it? Yeah, I don't know. The last game of last year, and Claypool had like 11 targets, five receptions, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson had like five targets, caught four of them for 86 yards. Like, I just kind of think that's what that new QB will look like. I think they'll both be in that eight to 10 target range per game. Claypool will probably have the touchdown edge, probably the yardage edge, but Deontay's going to be on him, you know, like white on rice. I, I, I really think they. They come as a package deal almost. I think that's yeah. I think that's really fair. So we'll have to we'll have to see. I'm very excited to see the the new face of of the QB in in Pittsburgh. Yes, I think we're all excited to see the impact that has there too. Yep. And Juju and James Washington will be gone, so it's really just those two guys in Friar Muth. Um, do you have any others before, or Matt? Do you want to? Take the take control here. Sure. I had two hits this year, both of the guys that I put on my all-in list. I'm going to start with Michael Pittman. I think he's probably the biggest success story I've had in my young fantasy career. Uh, I'm four for four on, quote-unquote, my guys. Two, in 2020, I went Claypool and Deontay. Both of those guys hit. And then this year, I went Jalen Hurts and Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman finished as a wide receiver 17 I predicted him to finish as the wide receiver 24. Michael Pittman had 129 targets. I had him pegged for 131. Michael Pittman had 1,089 yards. I had him down for 1,100 exactly. I didn't have the touchdown total because that's that's just so that's not sticky at all. But he he did end up having six. He finished as a wide receiver 27 in points per game. 
Uh, he had a 26% target share, which is absolutely enormous for a second-year wide receiver. I do expect the Colts to add somebody this year. However, I don't expect them to add a, a Godwin, a Robinson, a Mike Williams. It's it's essentially just another – it adds no speed to your offense. It's another Michael Pittman. And they're not going to add somebody with the same kind of skill set. I do think that there's a good chance they rely on Paris Campbell as a slot guy, as their wide receiver three. And they'll probably bring in a speed guy. I could see a guy like Will Fuller potentially signing there just to kind of help open up that offense a little bit. Although you have Paris Campbell, so I don't know why you'd need another injury-prone wide receiver. But uh, my second guy is going to be Jalen Hurts. Uh, he finishes a QB8 overall, QB6 in points per games. Had almost just a, just a hair under 4,000 total yards and 26 total touchdowns. And I think he's and I think he solidified long-term job security. I'm not going to argue with with people on Twitter about it this summer. I'm convinced he's the guy in Philadelphia. And if he's not, then he's going to start for somebody else. I, there have already been multiple reports and other GMs coming out saying if they don't want him, we'll take him. I just this his trajectory of his development in the passing game started two years later than most guys. So this offseason for him is that standard year two leap we like to see from quarterbacks, you know, Justin Herbert going into the season, Joe Burrow going into the season, you know, they had that year two leap. Now Josh Allen's a total outlier. He had a year three leap. So he's not really even part of this conversation. Lamar Jackson had a year two leap, won the MVP in his sophomore season. So this off season is Jalen hurts quote unquote year two leap just because of how late he was in the development of pocket passing in his career, which didn't start until his junior year at Alabama when he sat out, and he was the backup to Tua for that entire season. So I'm excited about his future. I'm all in. I'm buying. Not going to go down any rabbit holes this summer. Buy him. Don't buy him. It's up. It's totally up to you. But, yeah, the, those are the two guys that I hit on, and I'll have two more this summer. I think a good thing about Jalen and, and just, you know, as a coach or as a teammate or just rooting for root, watching guys you want to root for, he's a guy that just wants to win. He wants to be a leader. And those guys make it very easy to root for. So I think, again, I I'm, I don't see eye to eye with the Eagles in, in any way, shape, or form. But I think they they, they made a good move um, with Jalen. I think moving forward, I think, again, every quarterback is going to have a down game from now and again. I don't think that's any reason to jump down the throats of someone who's advocating for him. But even though I, I would never root a single second for the Eagles uh, – I'll continue to root for Hertz. I think he's an exciting guy to watch. So, and again, that year two leap, I think, I don't know if the NFL is ready for it. So he's I, an exciting guy to watch for sure. There was another play specifically where it was a flood concept where Rager supposed to take the safety deep and, and Goddard takes the dig route. Well, Goddard ran his dig route, but Rager stopped, started to slow down about two yards after he passed Goddard which he's he's supposed to continue to sprint to take that safety so it's a one on so it's you know a one on one with Goddard and his man well he didn't and the safety jumped up and it made it look like Jalen threw it in the double coverage when in reality he didn't cuz Goddard did or cuz Rager didn't do his job and take his man downfield so there's a lot of stuff like that that happened in the game it was a total team failure and I'm not I'm not here to say Jalen is exonerated from that I mean he played poorly there's a lot of stuff he needs to work on but you got to look at that game like you know like Brian said it, it Everybody's going to have a bad game. You know, Kyler Murray shit the bed. I think he threw for like 140 yards and two picks. Dak didn't look good. Matt Jones didn't look good. I mean, let's be fair. These are four guys that started a first ever career playoff game on the road. So, except for Dak, that was his fourth career playoff game. 
and he still only won one, but that's a totally different story. And also, he's in Tampa playing against one of the toughest defenses in the league. Yeah. And of course, you you better believe that everyone in Tampa is reviewing tape of Jalen because he is that offense. You know, that offense runs through him, whether it's on the ground or through the air. Again, he has other guys contributing, but when you watch Jalen, he, you know, when plays are breaking down, he's getting out of the pocket, he's gaining yardage, he's finding an open guy, whether it's Goddard down the middle or or you know, whoever it is, Smith Smith down the seam if he beats a beats a defender, who also is incredibly impressed me watching him play how physical he plays for a man of his size. Yes. Um once he gets a you know a little bit more meat on his bones, I think he's gonna be a real, real, real problem. But yeah, you know that the odds were stacked against him. And so, I think Tampa played Tampa Bay did, had a good game plan. That's that's you know, that's kind of what happened. Yep. So let's see that year two leap. All they really have right now, weapon wise, is is Goddard and Smith. Quez is a good role player. Sorry, Miles Sanders sucks. Uh, I watched a lot of lot of tape here in the past forty eight hours. He just doesn't get it. He has all the physical ability in the world. He could be an all world running back, but his I, I think the quote uh, I would think it was Angelo Fantasy. If you guys need to follow him on Twitter, I think the quote was his cognitive um, understanding of reading NFL run schemes like in the moment has not matched that of his physical ability yet. He's he's doing the same stuff he did in college. The NFL game has not slowed down for him yet, and he's missing holes and running into the back of his line. So he really didn't help the rushing offense, even though some plays he did bust. But again, it's going to happen that having such a good, basically an entire all-pro, all-line, O-line, is going to mask some of those deficiencies by your running back. Yep, especially, what is he, in year four? This is three, so he's going into year four. I mean... Contract year two. There's a chance he gets traded this offseason. There really is. But if it's taken this long and he's still, you know, not hitting the holes and, and missing some of that stuff, I mean, it, you typically don't see much improvement in those areas after, you know, your first couple yeah. years in the league. So not a good sign. Um, Brian, you did you have, do you want me to go ahead or did you have another one, Brian? I don't know if you had two. I got another, but Chad hit us with one. All right. Um, for me... Javante Williams is my guy. Um, absolutely love that dude. I said on this very podcast when we were talking rookies, I said I've never been more sure of a prospect, and he he proved me right. Um, he was everything I hoped, and and maybe even more. I think I had him as RB thirteen before the season even started, which. You know, I was definitely called biased for being a Broncos fan, which I understand, but I was just looking at it and I was just like, man, I would ra- I would rather have him than so many of these guys. And I said at the time, he's going to be an RB1 in year two. Well, that seems like the consensus now, maybe even, you know, like more top five-ish. So he delivered. He forced 31% uh, rate of missed tackles, forced per attempt. He, the most since 2006, He did it this year. Nick Chubb did it in 2020 and Marshawn Lynch in 2014. Those are the only guys that have forced that many tackles per attempt in a season since 2006. And I think that was one thing that had me so excited about him was his contact balance. And, you know, I guess, you know, it can be tough to know if that'll translate at the next level being the guys are, 
you know, bigger, faster, stronger, but the way and the rate at which he did it in college, I felt very strongly that that would, that would translate. And I thought he was an underrated receiving back, just, you know, Michael Carter kind of overshadowed him a little bit in that area that I think people didn't realize that Javante is very good in that area too. Um, so, you know, he's just, it just so happened that he landed, you know, with my hometown team, the Broncos, but I was extremely high on Javante Williams before the NFL draft and nothing has changed in that regard today. I absolutely love you, him. You and me have been step in step with him. Yep. I remember Matt, when I said I revealed that he was my RB one in the class and I think some people gave me crap for being a Broncos fan. And I think you did as well, but then you said, no, I'm just kidding. He's, he's my RB one too. <laughs> and since then uh, we've just been, infatuated <laughs> with, yes. with him and his tape. So um, Javante to the moon next year. Um, the other guy I want to mention is Austin Eckler. Um, I was pretty high on him this season. Obviously he's a veteran, not like a young, new young guy coming in. I was pretty high on him entering the season. I wasn't necessarily pounding the table for him, but you know, you don't want to overreact to small sample sizes early in the season, but it's also important to notice trends and, that's one thing I've been very good at going back, looking back the last few years after week one, week two, week three, I wrote about Javon uh, Eckler in, uh, in my reviews. I tweeted about him a ton, talked about him on the podcast, his red zone usage skyrocketed this year. He, you look back at previous years. Um, let's go all the way back to 2018. He had 16 red zone carries 2019. He had 17 red zone carries. 2020, he only played 10 games, but he had 18 red zone carries. You know how many he had this year? 48. 16 inside the five. I remember saying that I thought like a Larry Roundtree was kind of intriguing because they always utilize a second back. It was a new coaching staff, so I wasn't for sure, but they usually utilize that second back between the tackles, goal line stuff. No, no Larry Roundtree. No, I mean, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, Austin Eckler was their goal line back. And like I said, I wrote about it, tweeted about it after the first couple of weeks that it, it, not a lot of people were talking about it, but a guy that's catching that many passes and is getting goal line, you know, carries as well, finishes RB2 this season. Um, really uh, a special season from him and and really a, a truly monster year. I mean, if it wasn't for Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor scored 373 points. Eckler scored 348 or sorry, 343. The next closest was 300. Um, so he was RB2 by a long shot this year. Uh, and I, I think didn't realize it, he was that close. Yeah, I think it goes kind of unnoticed just how big of a year he actually had. Eckler was a guy I remember when it was him and, and Gordon and Gordon was one of my favorite running backs for a while. I just loved watching him run. He would, you know, rip off 60 yard screen passes to the house or a big run. And he was just like a, a cool guy. He was just like a fun guy to watch. And uh, when he, when he was, you know, Gordon held out for that contract and Eckler was stepping in, I was very skeptical. I was just like, who is this guy? I mean, I well, obviously through through watching football and 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 playing fantasy, you know who the, who Austin Eckler was at that point. But I was I wasn't a, a believer in him stepping in and, and and producing like that. And he just silenced me so quick. If the you, man runs hard, he's a he's a good guy. He's a good player. 
Yeah, if you don't know his story, he's actually from Colorado, small town, Eaton. Um, the Chargers kind of fell into evaluating him by accident, but he went to Western State, which is a small Division II school in Colorado. Um, guy's been under the radar his whole life, and I don't remember all the details, but the Chargers, I think they might have went to Western to watch somebody else. There was something, and he caught their eye, and I mean, it's kind of amazing that he's turned into – you know, this He's a superstar. superstar running back out of Western state of, you know, like Eaton, Colorado. So his story is pretty crazy too. I, I'd like to say one more thing, if you don't mind, I, I had this written down and I forgot to mention it just real quick. Two bullet points on Jalen finished as the QB six. He missed two games and had 13 touchdowns called back due to penalties, not related to him. That's gotta be, you know, I don't, I don't know what's, high for that stat but that's 13 has got to be one of I mean, the highest 13 times game. six that's 74 or yeah 60 12 18 that's 78 points it's just yeah. shy of one a game you think about it you say you started 15 games this year mm-hmm. Let's yeah do the math, that's you know that's so. pretty incredible i'll leave it at that uh dynasty doc did you have one more for us before we move on yeah i just had a quick one this was a a, a guy that i wasn't wasn't huge on to start the year, but things kind of, you know, the stars aligned for him. And he, he had a really strong season, a uh, strong finish to last season. And that's Marquise Brown. I think the end of the year last year, I think he had five touchdowns in six games or four and five games. And he, he ended the season really hot. And I think just everything kind of lined up for him to start the year. Obviously, Bateman had core, core muscle surgery. Ravens had no intention of rushing him back their first round receiver and, and, you know, looking into the stats of Lamar, he he threw not even 2,800 yards last year. We all know Mandrews is is that top target, but you know, someone else has to catch the ball. And I think Mark, I mean, Marquise started the year off really well. He finished inside the top 24, so he was you know by definition, uh, depending on your league size, more often than not a wide receiver too. So again, and he was a guy that was often taken in the triple digit picks, especially in redraft. So. I mean, at that value, a guy that returns wide receiver two value at that at that price. I mean, he was a he was a good hit. He wasn't a guy that I really talked much until I think shortly before the season because I think Bateman had surgery. I think it was August thirteenth or something like that. So he was kind of a late addition, but he was a guy I advocated for, and he and he uh, he played real well. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good one. I think my one concern with Marquise Brown, you look at Lamar Jackson's season. Obviously, he got injured and was in and out of the lineup, but he was throwing the ball downfield at a higher rate than he ever had yes. before. You look at his game logs through week seven. His uh, yards per attempt, six point two was the lowest, and then after that, seven point eight. He was up around the nine tens every pretty much every game through week seven. Then from week nine on, he only played uh, five games, but his yards per attempt were 6.5, 5.5, 5.2, 6.8, and 4.3. So that really dropped dramatically um, down the stretch. I think that's my one concern with Hollywood is going forward, especially getting Dobbins and Gus Edwards back and maybe being a little more run heavy. How much are they going to throw the ball like deep downfield? I think that's fair, but he threw for more yardage this season in three less games than last year. So that's I think true. That's... Lamar Jackson took a huge step forward in his passing game. Yeah, he did. He did. Yep. So that, I that, I think that bodes well. I think anyone that had any reservations, oh, he's just he's a dual threat. He'll he'll bail him some, himself out with his legs, but 
he still does. Yeah, he did that quite a bit, but he's also keeping his head up and looking downfield to make you know big passes. So that's true. I think that shouldn't go unnoticed either. Yep. Yep. That's a good point. It does bode well going forward. Um, game okay. time. What's that? Game time. Game time. That's uh, the hits and misses took a little longer than I had anticipated, but that's okay. We got a lot of good stuff there. Um, but let's move on to the trivia. We are going to go through 10 questions. Um, some questions have multiple answers. You get a point for each answer. So there's a possible 26 points. Um, I do have a few bonus questions in there as well. And I think they're fairly tough. Um, but you guys are smart. You can get them. But um, I can provide some hints along no cheat, the way. No, cheat, no cheating, Brian. No, no cheating. cheating Brian. You got it. No Scout's cheating. honor. <laughs> there you go. That's right, punny. Um, yeah, I'm going to, you know, hands above where I can see them. So I know you're not typing on the screen here. Um, I'm going to have the guys, for those listening at home, I'm going to have the guys write them down on a notepad or on their phone, uh, their answers, and then they'll reveal them to me at the same time. So, um, yeah, you guys ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. So this season, six players received 160 or more targets. Of those six, only two finished with less than 1,200 receiving yards. Who are those two players? So, in other words, two players received 160 or more targets, but less than 1,200 receiving yards. Two guys. Um, I've got hints if you need them, but... Um, you just want the oh, those two. Okay. It's those two, yeah. 160 oh. targets and less than 1,200 yards. All right. We'll see. I don't know. Doesn't sound very confident. We'll see. I think these are strong choice. I think these are strong, uh, strong guesses. But we'll have to see. No, there's no way my second one is right. It might be. Matt's writing feverishly. No, I, I don't know. All right. What? No, I. I uh, I want to say Waddle, but I'm pretty sure I looked at this earlier. I think it was only 147, so I don't think it's him. But, okay. I'm going to go with the two I wrote down. Okay. Let's uh, reveal the answers. I got Deontay and DJ Moore. Deontay and DJ Moore from Matt. Brian has Deontay and Terry McLaurin. It is Deontay and DJ Moore. Yes. <laughs> Nicely done, Matt, and good guesses, Brian. How many targets did you? That was the one I was unsure about. Was DJ Moore? I was I, maybe I was a little bit over the top with McLaurin. I'm curious what his targets were this year. Yes, let me pull them up as I mark down your scores. Um, so let's just read off each of them. So, uh, wait, where's their full stat line? Um, Deontay Johnson, 169 targets. 1,161 yards. Uh, DJ Moore, 163 targets, 1,157 yards. And then good old Terry McLaurin, 130 targets. I was low. Wow. I didn't realize how, how much lower. You know, when the when the positive TD regression hits for DJ Moore. Yep. And you know what? It's going to go ballistic. Talking of five. Direction too. I think he's a great buy. I mean, what if they oh, land on Watson? That's okay. See, we were talking about Deontay earlier. I think it was four weeks into last year. I flipped 
all of my Deontay Johnson shares for DJ Moore. All of them. Interesting. I mean, he's – I love his talent. He's never – I don't think he's ever scored more than four touchdowns, has he? No. Mm-hmm. Two. Four, four and three straight years. Yep, four and three straight years. And That's, two, his rookie hmm, year. Man, yeah. Quietly such a massive contributor on offense. You look, he's a oh, quiet, he's, he's a like quiet monster. He's, he's like through the first four years of his career, he's like historically great. Yeah. Over over eleven hundred yards the last three seasons, and even his rookie year, seven eighty eight, but yeah. over eleven hundred the last three years. You add like a Deshaun Watson and get that efficiency up, he could be like a fourteen hundred yard receiver. I told- I, I was telling somebody this the other day in the Discord. If for some reason Deshaun Watson ends up in Carolina, DJ Moore enters the overall wide receiver conversation within seconds. Yes, within seconds. Yep. Okay. All right, let's get on to question two. Which non QB veterans that changed teams? Sorry, veteran one veteran. Which non QB veteran that changed teams? in the offseason, scored the most PPR fantasy points this year. So out of all the guys that found themselves on a new team, who scored the most PPR points? That's a good question. I'm going to need a minute for that. I did I did a good job with these questions, huh? You can say it. No, this question's fire. This is going to take me – give me like 30 seconds. So free agents who change teams – Non-quarterback. You don't even have to tell us. PPR points. Uh, I feel like... Oh, this is going to sound... This is going to sound stupid. I'm trying to remember. I feel like it's a trick question. Nah, 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 and I feel like nah, it's a running nah, back. Nah, nah, and it's nah, not a receiver. You guys are struggling. With you know who song. it definitely isn't? I'll give you a hint. Let's hear it. It's not Kenny Galladay. It is not <laughs> your guy, Kenny G. He, oh, maybe, so the maybe the least. Maybe the least of any changed teams. Probably the, he probably okay. has the least points per dollar he received this year. All right, give us, a, give us a shot clock here. I don't All remember right. who he played for last year, and I'm going to sound really stupid if it's for the same team. We are, I'll, put, I'll give you 30 more seconds. Okay. Can I get a position hint? No. Okay. Then I'm just going to go with what I wrote down. That sounds stupid or not. I don't even have anything in my head. There's only one guy that's popping in my head, and I know it's wrong. And I know I'm going to get so much crap for All this. All right, fine. I will give you a hint. Matt, you were on the right track when you said it's not a wide receiver. We are at 30 seconds. It's definitely not a tight end either. Jot something down. Yeah, I I don't know. I think I have a guess. No, that's my guess is wrong now. I know it. I know for a fact it's wrong. Fuck. <laughs> All right. I don't have a guess. The answer. <laughs> If you don't have any, I, I can keep giving you guys clues, but uh, yeah, g- give us one more. Do you have a guess at all? I had a receiver, so it's it's it doesn't fit. Who was I your had... receiver guess? It was a bad guess, but it was OBJ since he joined the Rams. Like, but I guess that really doesn't qualify, right? 
because it was um, in the season, right? Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't be the answer, but yeah, that that's not really he wouldn't really qualify for that. I don't know why I'm so stumped on thinking of a guy. Um, it's not Julio Jones. Definitely not. The emphasis on PPR is a little misguiding. I mean, it's it's true PPR points, but I had Melvin Gordon. Oh, uh, yeah, that's why I was just writing down. But I'm but they didn't sign Ooh. him at Melvin Gordon. Incorrect. Yeah, but they didn't sign him and draft Javante. Well, this, and Melvin this, Gordon has been on the team. This guy yeah. was on the new new yeah. roster this year. Right, right. I'm trying to think back to Andy's articles. I read everything that y'all give me. All right, neither of you will get a point, but um, I'll keep giving you hints. He was eliminated from the playoffs this week. He was banged up during his game. Didn't play a ton of snaps. Shares a backfield. It's not Elliot. It's not Pollard. It's not Stevenson. It's not Harris. Who else got eliminated? It's not Sanders. It's not Gamewell. I'm Short, surprised. You guys this is Jordan. Ho- it's not Jordan Howard. No. Uh, who else got eliminated? The Raiders. Kenyon Drake. Can you, no, it can't be. Nope. Um, Bengals. Uh, who else sucked? This is kind of fun to be on the other end of this, watching the guys struggle. <laughs> We're struggling real hard, guys. If they were sending out an SOS, if anyone can help us out with this answer, he uh, he beat cancer. Oh, James Conner? Yep, James Conner. James oh. Conner had 257.7 fantasy points this year. Damn, yeah. That's yeah, he was like RB8 or something, right? Yeah, something he was way like up that? there. Or yeah, he, he was – how high was it? I think it was like six. He was six at one point. He was six, I think, with a couple weeks left. Five. He was RB5? He was RB5. Isn't that incredible? Lived off touchdowns alone, though. Yep, and that's where I said like the PPR is a little misleading because it, it yeah. that's not how he got there, but it, he, he scored, scored 20 touchdowns. touchdowns. No, he scored – what did he score? Damn. 18 total. Yeah, that's that's absurd. Shout out to yeah. James Conner, man. Hell of a yep. season. Really just written off this year and, and comes back with that kind of season. So that's a tough question. I think a lot of these are, are pretty tough, but um, let's get on to the next one. This one – is not as tough, but it, it goes unnoticed. Who was this season's second leading rusher with Jonathan Taylor obviously being first? On a per game basis or the full season? No, just full se- total rushing yards this season. All right, I have my answer. Hope I'm right. Okay. You got yours, Matt? Oh shit! Not shit. now. I have another name. I'm going with the first one that popped in my head. Okay, me too. And I'm pretty sure it's wrong, but I'm going with it. All yeah, right. Oh, I it. know. Let's reveal them. Oh, I went with Najee. That Joe Mixon was the other guy. Joe Mixon is Brian's answer. Najee is Matt's answer, and you are both wrong. But was it? He really plays Chubb? in the exact same division as those guys. It wasn't Chubb? Was it? It was Nick Chubb. Oh, he was wow. the other guy that came in my head. And I'm a big, I mean, I've always been a big Chubb fan. And Matt, you know, we got into our little uh, argument in the Scouts channel. I, I just love Nick Chubb. And I think he missed, what, three or four games? And, I think it was and three. Really, you know, he, he had a kind of down year. But he was second in the league in rushing yards, over 1,200. So, but 
Um, Joe Mixon was a good guess. He was third, and then Najee was fourth. So you guys were, were on the right track. Um, all right, we're still sitting at two points for Matt and one for Brian. Question number four. This one is tough. I have a bonus question, though. I'll ask the, the regular question first, and then we can move on to the bonus. Who led the league in highest air yards share of his team? So air yards share of his team. I have a bonus follow-up, but it, it's based on the answer. So, so who had a really <laughs> shitty quarterback? See, these are these are tricky. I, and part of the reason I wanted to go with some of these questions is I think the audience will listen and say, like, kind of be surprised by some of them. Not that this one's surprising, but just in general, it's it's I don't know, good info to know and stuff that you don't necessarily hear or see often. So I think it's you know good information to take with you. So air yards, air yards per target, share of a quarterback. Okay, I yeah, probably just, just mix that entirely thing up. Yeah, just share of their team air yards. So, like, who had the most air yards of their team, like, percentage-wise of their team? So The highest team, the highest percentage, though. The highest percentage of their team, oh. yep. I'm not overthinking this. I got my I got my answer locked in. I think that's yeah. a good – don't overthink it. Matt, you have 20 seconds. It's not Jalen Rager. <laughs> I don't. Uh, my mind keeps saying DK, but I know, that's not a. But I, I'm gonna say it, DK. All right, Matt goes with DK. Who that's do you got, Brian? We got my boy J. Jeff. That is correct. Oh my god! That's you know what's you know. funny? The first person that came to my head was Tyler Lockett, and I don't know why. See, that's what I thought too. I and I, I also, I also thought about Mike Evans, and I was like, no. All right, well, here's the bonus question. You got a chance. Two more, two more possible points up for grabs. So Jefferson had 45% of his team, or like f nearly 45. There were only two other players that had – oh, sorry. He had, he had 44 over the season. But in the last four weeks, he had 45%. In those last four weeks, only two other players had at least 40% of their team's air yards. Who are those two? Did the last four weeks. This one's also tough, but also, I mean, I think you probably know it. There's two. There's two. Yeah, I, I'm guessing again. I'm I flipping got, on I'm flip flopping on the second one, but I think I have my two. I got yeah, I got names. All right. Ready? Reveal your choices. So for Brian, we've got ARSB and Mike Evans, both incorrect. Matt went with Lockett and Higgins, both incorrect. Matt, you don't, said it. Don't DK tell me. Is it DK? DK was one. Russell Gage is the other. I had DK and I erased it for Mike Evans. Oh, my goodness. Yep, he 40% through the last four weeks. <sighs> Go with your gut, Bri. What are you Pretty doing? Crazy stuff. DK had a nice uh, end to the season. Scored a lot of touchdowns, too. All right, question five. So we are all knotted at two, two apiece. Who led all running backs in fantasy points per snap and was also PFF's highest graded running back? 
So who had the most points per snap? I will give you a hint. Oh, I have it. I have it I know, in the bag. Yeah, okay. I know I know the answer. All right. I will not give you a hint since you guys got it. Do you have it, Brian, your answer? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see him. Oh, it's not turning. Hold on. Both answered Damian Harris and both are correct. He did it on just 18 receptions. That was going to be my hint. Pretty incredible. Wild. I mean, you would think, just when you hear that question, at least I would think, points per snap, you got to be catching some passes. I, I mean, again, you're going, you're, you never want to, you never want to invest in New England's backfield, but I think they got something special with, with Harrison and Ramondre. So, yeah, we'll have to see how it continues to split, but both guys were very productive with their touches this year. I agree. Question six, another running back question. Only two running backs rushed 160 or more times and registered less than 600 rushing yards. Who are those two? So 160 or more carries, less than 600 rushing yards. This one is... I think one is pretty obvious. The other is tricky. The second is very tricky, in fact. 160 carries, but less than 600 yards. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you it's not Rashad Penny. (laughs) All right. I think I got my two guys. It's the first guys that popped into my head. We'll see. Matt, how are you doing? You got at least one name down? Wait, say 160 carries and and less than 600 yards? Yep. 600 yards rushing. At least 160, right? At least 160. 160 or more. Oh, but less than 600 yards. So who or less than 600 yards rushing. Ooh, that felt like a good answer. I think I'm going to be very upset with one of these answers. <laughs> I think you're on the right track, Brian. Okay, I got one. Matt's got one. I'm on the board. What's the other one? I want to say Second Miles one? Sanders, but Second I don't know how. Tricky. I... It's not. Dun, 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 wait, 160 dun, divided dun, by 17. What is that? Dun, 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 it's less than 10. Dun, 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 dun. So this guy either got hurt or he was just a committee guy. Do you guys want to, Brian? You have two answers, so I'm not going to give you a hint because you already got two. All right. Unless you guys both want a hint, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to run with who I got. I think. I think Brian's. I think Brian might have it. Matt's struggling on the second guy, but I'll give you another 20 seconds here, Matt. It's tricky. I was. I. I don't know if I would have gotten this one, but. Okay, I'm going to take a stab at it. All right, let's see those answers. Matt has Saquon Barkley and Daryl Henderson. Yeah. Brian has Mark Ingram and Saquon Barkley, which is correct. Mark Ingram and Saquon Barkley. So you each got Barkley, which I think was um, fairly obvious and upsetting to Brian. Uh, But Mark Ingram, interesting one. This game is rigged. 
<laughs> ripped my heart out, man. Saquon's ripped my heart out. I just don't know what the Giants are going to do. And Saquon not helping his 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 case is just it's heartbreaking. It is. It's tough to see. He was really at the mountaintop. Uh, not the too long worst ago. possible thing that could happen is they give him a Zeke type of contract, and he just con- and he just continues to take a step down every year like Zeke has. We can't. The Zeke that. contract is atrocious. Oh, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. It it's is more, so bad. Yeah, it's more ridiculous right. than gas prices. Yeah. <laughs> Brian has five. Matt has four. What's for you, tight, Chance? Gas prices here. Four tight ends tied for the league lead with nine touchdown catches. Who are those four? Big one here. Four answers. Pretty straightforward. Nine touchdown catches, all in the league lead at four, or four of them at nine. Definitely not Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Kyle Pitts, you know how many yards he had? He had... I'll go on a side tangent here while you guys are thinking. He had 1,026 yards as a rookie tight end. People are upset about his production. On the other hand, people love Jalen Waddle's production as a receiver. Kyle Pitts had more receiving yards this year. Did all of these tight ends finish one through four? Um, No, they did not. What's crazy is... Kyle Pitts didn't even score a touchdown on American soil. <laughs> that is crazy. That so, he could, so he could be like the European offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, but he should get that award. They should they should make that. I like that. I'm still very high on Pitts. I Oh, I am too. Love that dude. I got three. I just need one more. How many do you got, Matt? You got any down? I got Four, but okay. I'm pretty sure one of them is wrong. Like I'm almost hundred percent positive. <laughs> you is say that every time. Is one of them surprising? Is one of them shocking? I feel really confident about three of mine. Like I feel like one I'm of them surprised. is surprising. I don't know if sh- if I would say shocked, but it's it's not a name that would instantly come to mind. Nine touchdowns, huh? Nine, nine of them. It's not Colby Parkinson. Oh, it's not? I got to take one off. Yeah, we can say, I mean, I can tell you a bunch of guys it's not. It's not Jacob Harris. No. It's not Jacob Harris. It's not Goddard. It's not Fant. It's not Alberto. It's not, uh, it's not Kasiki. It's, I, Waller's the one that I just don't know. Because I, I, I know he missed so much time, but I don't know how much, if he got to nine before all that happened. You know what? I'm gonna put a dark horse out there. All right. Yeah, yeah I think I, I think I'm just gonna go with my guys. Oh, I don't know if this is right, but we're gonna give it a shot. All right, let's see those answers. Um, Brian's got Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Dalton Schultz, and Zach Ertz. Matt's got Kelsey Waller, Knox, and Pat Fryermuth. Oh, no- Knox was definitely a guy for sure. The four answers are Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Dawson Knox, and Hunter Henry. Oh, oh, oh he had that that six game stretch yeah. where he scored so yep. much. Yep. Neither of you got that, but all the other answers were covered. Who had? I got two. Brian, you each got two. Yeah, I had Andrews, Kelsey, Schultz, and Ertz. 
Ertz was my my long shot because I knew a couple of games he had like two touchdowns or here and there. I wonder yep. how many Schultz had. Schultz. That's why I said close. Henry Hunter Henry is the surprising name, but it's not shocking because you remember. Oh yeah, he did like score a bunch of touchdowns there for a while. Yeah. And then Knox. Yeah. Oh, Schultz had eight. Yeah. Schultz how many did Fryermuth have? I think he had like four or five. I thought it was more than that. Maybe I'm Fryer, just... no Fryermuth had seven. He was yeah. Next oh, okay. Yeah. I knew it but was up Waller, there. Waller um, had like two. Matt. Yeah. That's. I just couldn't think of somebody else. Mark Andrews would have been a better answer. I mean, Pat Fryermuth is a good guess, and Schultz. I mean, those were close. All good guesses. So, Ertz really had nine. No, no, Ertz. No. Ertz was wrong. Oh. Why we did Ertz have like anywhere close, or am I just delirious? Kelsey Knox, Henry, and who was the fourth? Hunter Henry. Uh, Andrews. 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 Yeah, Kelsey yeah. Andrews Knox Henry. Oh, ew. Zach Ertz had two. You guys can just cancel me right now. It's fine. <laughs> no, no. Ertz had. Oh, he had three. Five. He had five. Yeah. Gotta count Philly. Jalen threw me. Yeah. Oh, Philly oh and that's why. That's Arizona. why. Okay. All right. Fine. I feel better about myself. <clears throat> yeah. Not a bad guess there. All right. So we are at seven to six. Brian's up by one. Only f- this one is an interesting question. And one of these guys, I'll give you a hint. One of these guys was going to be my hits this season, but I didn't want to, didn't want to give it, give this answer away. Only four quarterbacks have finished as QB 14 or better in six of the last seven season, which goes back to 2014. Who are those four? QB 14 or better six of the last seven years. Only four guys have done it. Really? I'm going to write down the guy you wouldn't stop talking about. So that's probably an unfair advantage. Sorry, Brian. So it has to be a quarterback who's played at least seven seasons. Right? Yeah. So that rules out a bunch of guys. Hmm. Oh, okay. I got another one. One is surprising, not to me, but to others. Another one is like, oh, yeah, I guess. And then there's two, like, top 14. Very obvious. And six top of 14, the- six of the last seven? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got three. I don't think any of them did it all four years or all six years. Or, I mean, sorry, all seven years due to injuries or, or whatever. But yeah, QB 14, six of the last seven seasons, just model of consistency at the quarterback position. Okay. All right. I'm going to take the. Oh, oh I no, think no, these no, are no. just. I think I'm just playing it way too safe. Might not be a bad way to go. I'm changing what I'm answering. So, okay. I got. I got All four right. for you. I'm willing to reveal this. Yep. All right. Let's let's see them, guys. So Matt's got wait Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Brian's got Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, and Matt Stafford. I changed from Stafford to Rodgers. <laughs> yep, and that is correct. It was Rodgers, Wilson, Brady, Cousins. Damn. All right. So three out of four. All right. So we're all tied up again. DK is going to keep me up tonight because I. I bailed on him. Um, yeah, that's uh, one that... Why couldn't I think of Wilson? That was such a good answer. How, I wonder I mean, how close Stafford was to that. That's a good question. I could look, but for the sake of time, we should move on. But Cousins, Cousins is a guy, you guys know, Matt, that's kind of an unfair hint because 
you haven't been on the podcast, Brian, but I talked about Cousins a lot this year and his his success that's just flown under the radar. He's been incredibly consistent, and I think he's a perfect QB2 in a super flex league because he's fairly cheap, but he's been, you know, he hasn't missed a lot of games because of injury, and he's been right in that low-end QB1, high-end QB2 range pretty much every year, so... Yeah, I had him. Um, he's a, he's my QB two in uh in in the scouts league. So, oh yeah, I'm all about there you that. Go. All right, next question, and this one will have a follow up bonus. Um, who were the one pair of teammates teammates that each caught ten or more touchdowns this season? Just one pair of teammates did it. Ten or more touchdowns this season. And then, like I said, we'll have a bonus follow-up for some additional points. And this will be—you have to get both of them. So obviously, so it'll be—it'll be just be one point. Okay, you're gonna have to bear with me for a second. It's tough to say if it's surprising or not, but. This is tough. I got, you know, I did my homework for these questions. Wasn't going to let you guys off easy. <laughs> Clearly not. Matt's over here meditating. I'm, he I'm, go I'm going division by division. Oh, he's really doing his homework. It's, uh, it's, it's just a pair of teammates. That, what? Yep, just a pair of teammates. Only pair of teammates that had 10 or more touchdown catches this season. You know what? It's not It's not a tight end. It's two wide receivers. You really love to tell us who it is not and what it is not. Matt. Yeah, I know. That's I help I think out loud here. Matt, how are you certain? Because the three questions ago, he said, who are the only tight ends that scored nine touchdowns? So no no tight end scored 10 touchdowns. How do you know that? That was not an accident. You guys are you following the breadcrumbs. I'm very strategic with these. All right, I got to change my answer. It's two wide receivers. Yep, I'll, t I'll give you another hint, which, Matt, you're right. It, no running back had 10 touchdown receptions this year either. Yeah. Or quarterback, you know, if you were going to go there. but and And what about linemen? Um, that is correct. It is a lineman. No, it's not. It is two wide receivers, and I'm gonna need your guys's answer. Okay, and... I have, I have answer. I have answers. Okay, Brian, you good? Uh, I need one sec. Oh, this is a cop out answer because it, I got sidetracked. But all right, I'm gonna give this a go. Right, it's probably not right. All right, let's see it, guys. I can't. Oh, Godwin and Evan <laughs> from that. <laughs> Oh, same answer. Evans and Godwin. They both went Evans and Godwin. Good guess. Um, Evans did have 14. Godwin, is, unfortunately. Is Jamar and Higgins injury. or something? I don't I even. Godwin only had five. So Higgins, Higgins, really. did, Higgins didn't have 10. Higgins no, no way 10. Higgins did. You know what my, my original guess was? My other guess was Jefferson and Thielen, but I don't think Thielen played enough. No, That's correct. Thielen. Is it really? Uh, isn't that surprising? Thielen Golly! He played like half the year, it feels like. Yeah. And he threw up well, he missed 
He only ended up missing four games. Oh, that's oh. my original guess was Evans and Gronk. I don't know why Gronk came into my mind, but I feel like he's been scoring a lot when he's health when he's playing. Yeah. But again, yeah, he didn't have yeah, I think he had he had six or seven, but Oh yeah, he only had seven because he had to hit that incentive. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, really I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have thought that Thielen had 10. Um, let's give you guys a bonus opportunity here. So that was this season, but three sets of teammates did it last season. Three sets of teammates last season. I'll give you one point for each set. So you got an opportunity for three points here. That was kind of surprising to me to see that three sets of teammates did it last season and only one this season. Okay. I got my answers. Wow. Okay. That's working quickly. I'll give you I'll give you a few here, Brian. Yeah, give me more than six seconds, please. He has them both already. Come on, man. There's three. Aye, aye, aye. Three sets of teammates. They're, one of them is tough. Well, yeah, one of them is tough. I mean, it's all hard when you're on the spot here trying to think of this stuff. And this was last season, so that's why it's a bonus. But that was really just surprising to me. Three teammates last year, but just one teammate, set of teammates this year. I just tried to desperation grasp for Julio Jones, but let's be real. He doesn't score touchdowns. He's allergic to the end zone. Oh, I just need one more guys. Give me like 10 seconds. I'm changing my final. Okay. Now I have. All right. I think I got it. I think these are safe answers, but who knows? They might pay off. All right. Let's see them guys. So Matt has I'm sticking with Evans and Godwin. And then he's going DK Lockett and Kelsey Hill. Brian went Jefferson and Thielen, DK and Lockett, Kelsey and Tyreek. So you guys both got the Chiefs and Seahawks pair. So that's two points for each of you. There's one more pair, and it's a wide receiver and a tight end. Or the Raiders. No, it can't be. The Packers. Robert Tanyan. Tanyan had 10 touchdowns last year. Wow. Along with, obviously, Adams. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Tanyan was completely TD dependent. To, I mean, he was yeah. tight in, what, four last year? Something like that. Yeah. And he, I wrote, a, I wrote about him just like his, I mean, Rodgers threw for his highest touchdown. They scored the most short area passing touchdowns, like, by far, like, he was a huge regression candidate, but 10 touchdowns last year. Pretty, wow. pretty impressive. Hope he comes back. Right. We'll see. We're all knotted up with 12 points apiece coming into the last question. This Come is on, couldn't man. have scripted this any better. DK's doing this to me. <laughs> there are three answers to this question. So it's a big one. Who are the three running backs this season that saw 80 or more targets? and 65 or more receptions. At least 80 targets and at least 65 receptions. Three running backs did it. Six, say it again. 85 targets. 
80 targets or more with 80. 65 or more receptions. Okay, 80 and 65. Oh, these guys had really good catch rates, but saw a lot of targets. 80 plus. I got, I got two. I got two right now. Damn, that was quick. Mm, there's one, yep. You know what? I got a Dark Horse answer, actually. I like it. Is one a Dark Horse? Um, It's hard to say Dark Horse, but it's one that is definitely tricky and not obvious. Okay. So, yeah. I think I got all three. Brian's confident. That puts the pressure on Matt. We're all I tied. I feel good. You... I feel good. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you who it's not. <laughs> You just you're so good at if if this trivia game was tell us who is not the answer, you'd be really good at it, Matt. It's not a quarterback. Thank you. Uh can't be so sure. Yep, they are all running backs. Three of them. Eighty carries and nope. at least sixty five percent. Eighty targets. Eighty targets, yeah. For running backs. Yep. He targets at least 65 receptions. I could be wrong on one of them, but I, I, got, I got two. I mean, 80 targets is a lot. There's only three of them. Let's see how many guys had that last season. Oh, no. There's one guy that's coming into my head. I hope it's not him. Okay. I got a, I got a third name written down, but I'm gonna let me run through the rest of these teams. Got to go with my gut here. Chad, you decide. Do I go with my gut or do I do I pivot? I think you you've thought a lot about it. If you trust the pivot, go uh, with the pivot. That's, that's not okay. my that's not my question, I'm, Chad. I'm, I'm go gonna, with your gut. Go I'm with gonna, your gut. I'm standing. I think you were on the right track. I'm standing, Pat. Standing, Pat. All right, we got him. I think so. Matt has Najee Eckler and Kamara. Brian has Najee Eckler and Corderell Patterson. You each got Najee and Eckler. The third one, regular season Lenny. For real? I almost wrote him down. 84 targets and 69 receptions. I really thought Corderell was going to be the cheat code to that answer. Now, surprisingly, he had 69 targets and 52 receptions. But Leonard Fournette, 84 targets. That was more than DeAndre Swift and Kamara and Corderell Patterson. Leonard Fournette, that's why I said earlier, like he really came through on the receiving end, and that's what really solidified his role and his his fantasy success this year. So you guys, I'm afraid to say that you tied. <laughs> I believe you each had 14. That's very count. anticlimactic. Oh, DK Metcalf. Yep, you each got 14 out of 26, and those were tough questions. So I think you guys did pretty well. Um but you tied. It's the end of overtime and nobody scored. Did you guys know you could tie in the NFL? Ah, That's Every year there's a, a rookie who doesn't know that. Nobody knew you could tie podcast trivia questions. You got to give us one more. All right. Let me look up one more. If we tie here, we tie. But we Matt go cannot one. go to bed knowing that he tied. Yeah. What number does Jalen Hurts wear, Matt? One. What number does Shane right. Lemieux wear? Uh, 66. <laughs> Just ask something sorry. Who's your, quarter- who's your long snapper? You ready for this? Yeah, go. Three quarterbacks scored more than five rushing touchdowns this year. Not five, more than five. Three of them did it. 
One had six, one had seven, one had ten. Who are those three? Say it one more time. Three quarterbacks rushed for more than five touchdowns this year. One had six, one had seven, one had ten. Who are they? There's uh, quite a few that had five, but only three that went over five. Oh, this one answer is really stupid. I I can't lose on this. (laughs) It's not Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) To be quite honest, I thought about him for about two seconds. Because all the sneaks. He had a few one-yard plunges. It is not Mac Jones. (sighs) Oh, I got mine. No, please don't. Matt, don't do this to me. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. It's six. Was it six, seven, and ten? Is that what you said? Correct. Is one so very surprising? Yeah, one's pretty surprising. Okay, I think but I got he's, it. He's he's been up there before, but it's not who you like would come to mind. Oh well, then that changes it. <laughs> Matt, flip the cards, man. We got it. We got to do this. I give you ten seconds to pivot. Five. I'm just going to stay. I'm going to stand. Three, two, one. Let's see them, guys. Matt, you have. Hold it up a little bit. Jalen, Lamar, and Josh Allen. Oh, no. I lost this for sure. Brian has Lamar, Cam Newton, and Josh Allen. Wait. Yep. Matt has two. Matt has Jalen and Allen. You just have Allen, Brian. No. Neither of you got the third. I can't what? believe you didn't get Jalen, Brian. I thought you guys would both definitely get that. I thought you. Uh, you know what? Probably get yeah. Allen. Jalen had nine, it. didn't he? He was one with Jalen had ten or ten. He was one with ten. How did I not have Jalen? I know. I thought for sure you guys would each get that. So it was Jalen Allen, and who was the third guy? Ryan Tannehill. Ah, uh, I thought about Heineke. I never got to Tannehill. I think he was, or Tannehill is the one I was saying. Like, he's been up there before. He's had pretty good rushing success, but he's not somebody who comes to mind in that area. And then you had Kyler at five, Taysom Hill mm. at five, Cam Newton at five. Ah, Sam I was trying to big five. brain. I was big braining with Cam Newton. Well, you guys both did well. Matt comes out on top by a sliver, but. Um, <laughs> by a Jalen. By a J- by Jalen. How, how fitting is that? How fitting is that? Matt wins it on a Jalen Hurts answer. Oh, True fantasy so, scouts, Matt Nine. So fashion there. All right. That was a, a long episode, but that was a fun one. Um, a lot of good info out, and the trivia game was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us, uh, Dynasty Doctor, aka Brian. Um, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. For now. Remember, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts, subscribe there. And if you haven't checked out our updated website, ffballallday.com, it looks awesome. Go check it out. And we'll see you back here next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else. 